afternoon. Welcome to the panel. RNZ National to the uh, Trump announcement shortly, but to this first, we're not out of the COVID woods yet, said Deputy Director General of Public Health Agency, Dr. Andrew Old, today. COVID cases over summer could peak at 11,000 and 100 hospital admissions a day, health officials say. The outlook for summer remains uncertain, and he said there was a mix of sub-variants now circulating in the community. Reinfection rates are also climbing. COVID-19 cases uh, have been rising, and yesterday they topped 4,000 for the first time since August. And authorities have also lowered the age of eligibility for a second COVID booster for Māori and Pacific Islanders to 40 and above. That's from this Friday. With us is Professor Kurt Krauss, Professor in Biochemistry at the University of Otago. Professor Krauss, kia ora. Kia ora. So coming into summer, COVID-19 cases rising in quite a, by quite a fair bit. Why is this? Well, we're still in the middle of this alphabet super variance out there, right? We had gone through BA4 and BA5, and now we're seeing an increase in some of the variants that we talked about, I guess, about a month ago, the BA275 and the BQ1.1. So the the BQ1.1 is showing a bigger increase, and 2.75 is showing a small increase. It's it's kind of funny. I mean, looking at the the numbers, I was convinced that the the latest phase we were we were we we had peaked and we were dropping down again. So the message today is is a bit of a a bit bit of a downer. Um, but I still think we have to kind of watch and wait. And it's it's interesting to look around the world to see what's happening in in North America, for example, because mm. a lot of times that's a, a presage what we're going to be going through. N- North America, absolutely for sure, they're having a lot of cases. They're having about eighteen thousand cases a day uh, there, but they're also getting a big bump in influenza and a big bump in RSV. So we're not out of the woods in terms of COVID, but we we also have a lot of other viruses to be thinking about. Yeah. Uh, let's go to our panel on this. Georgie, so uh, coming into summer, reinfection rates are climbing. Yes, and I have a question for you, Professor. I have yet to have COVID, and oh. a few of my friends tell me that this is going to be bad news for me and that when I do finally catch it, I will be more sick than I, I would have been if I'd caught one of the old school variants. Is is there any truth to that or, or can you debunk this myth? Um, I certainly have not seen any, any uh, uh, re- research of sort of publishable quality suggesting that you would be at any higher risk. I know a lot of mm. people who haven't gotten COVID yet. My wife hasn't gotten COVID, even though all of us around her have gotten COVID. Yeah. So it may be a tribute to your robust immune system. So I think I would, oh, I, I would uh, pat yourself on the back more than, more, more than be I worried shall. about it. Well, there you go. So that's all from me, Wallace. Uh, nothing to worry about on the COVID front. Very good, George. Before you were going to Steve, though, is that is that fairly unusual, um, uh, Professor Krauss, not to have COVID at this stage? Uh, it's getting more and more rare. Uh, the 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 biochemistry or the or the, the the medical basis of immunity is an interesting topic that we you know we could talk about at some length and why some people seem to have a more more yeah. robust ability to to resist. And a lot of it's going to have to do with what the basic uh, antibody pattern and the basic sort of immune cells or T cell pattern of the person who's been able to resist infection. Back in the days when I was practicing medicine in the U.S., my primary specialty was 
HIV. And I had a, a handful of HIV patients who were absolutely, you know, had absolutely phenomenal uh, ability to resist HIV infection. You know, they had zero right. viral load, even though they weren't on any medication. And uh, those uh, that subset of patients were studied and they were found to have very special kind of elite controlling immune system that were tuned at preventing HIV from progressing. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see. And, I, and I, I, people who are looking into this will find out, are there people among us who are robust at resisting coronavirus? And that I suspect that will be the case. George, you might be one of those. Steve? Well, I'm, I'm feeling very elite right now because I'm still a co-virgin as well. And I kind of wanted to stay both that of way. You. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you and me both, Georgie. Uh, Good on us. Yeah, we're, excellent. We're, we're the elite, you and me. Because uh, you're wearing your mask now, Steve. What? Absolutely, I'm wearing my mask because it occurs to me that this is, to a degree, um, a pandemic of choice right now, and I've chosen to opt out from it. So I don't. Oh, that's a bit unfair, isn't well, no, it, Steve? No, no, no. That's not, really unfair. Let, let me let me let me qualify. Let me explain that. Right. I. This is why I wear a mask all the time. I, it's, it's a very very easy step that anybody can take. We've we're no longer being directed to, and unfortunately, lots of people have, have taken that as taken that as meaning that that it's not really necessary any longer. The fact is, there is a pandemic going on. It's a respiratory disease and it's spread by airborne transmission and a mask is a great way to a prevent you from spreading it if you've got it and b to prevent you from catching it if you've not got it yet of course but having said that i mean let's defer to our expert on this one well, I, I think masks are, are highly effective. There's no question about that. There are people, though, who are researching something called an immunity debt, which is that if you maintain a mask for the period of time where you're exposed or potentially exposed to coronavirus, but then you stop wearing a mask, all of a sudden the amount of flu goes up. All of a sudden the amount of RSV goes up. So you have to be sort of committed. So do we have to be committed to wearing a mask indefinitely? Uh, or are we going to end up paying the piper? And I think the, the the research on that is still out. But it's an interesting question about once you stop wearing the mask, well, then your risk of other viruses. Oh, uh, that's uh, interesting. That's very interesting. Well, there, very have, interesting. there were plenty of occasions during the last two and a half years where I haven't worn, worn a mask. I've only been wearing it going out, really, in the last, well, several months since Omicron has become really prevalent. I remember, you know, there, there was wonderful periods during um, the first and the second years of the pandemic where here in Aotearoa, we had the best response in the world and we could walk around with our faces completely naked and it was fabulous. And I don't, don't remember catching a single cold and I certainly didn't catch any flu back then. So, no, I'm not totally convinced that I am I am downgrading my uh, immune system at that point. I'm, I'm comfortable that this is, this is something that I need to do for a short term because we've got a particularly compelling virus right now. Now, um, uh, Professor Krause, the Minister for COVID-19 Response, Dr Aisha Vero, said it was looking at multi-variant vaccination by next year. Excellent. What of this? Oh, interesting development. You know, there are countries that have embraced the multivariant vaccine. Uh, the U.S., for example, have uh, uh, approved two multivariant vaccines and are using it for boosting right now. Australia has approved the, the bivalent vaccine, but it's only used as an alternative. It's not the, the primary booster, whereas we're kind of watching and waiting. If you look at the data, the data basically shows unequivocally that if you take a, a, a multivariant booster, you do get more antibodies that are directed against those variants. What the data doesn't show yet is, do those boosters actually keep you out of the hospital more? Do they prevent you from getting sick more? And we have kind of moved from an idea that uh, vaccination against COVID will prevent you from getting the infection more to an idea right. that vaccination, vaccination will prevent you from getting sick or going in the hospital or, 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 or dying. Okay. Um, 
I think that data will be coming, but uh, we don't quite have it yet. Uh, it'll be as kind of a watch and wait. Uh, just finally, uh, Professor Krauss, so ways of protecting ourselves, stay up to date with your vaccinations. Over 50% of people who are eligible for their fourth dose haven't had it yet. So just a reminder to uh, stay up to date. I think that's very important to stay up to date. Also, wearing a mask is, 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 is very important. Also, if maybe for some reason you haven't had your, your vaccination yet or you're, you're not going to get the vaccination, be careful about going out in public where you're around lots of people who are not masks and who, who uh-huh. might not be vaccinated. And I think everyone has to keep track of their own um, uh, immune um, uh, risk or their, I guess, the, the, uh, their, own dis- their own ability to, to resist these respiratory viruses. If you know you have an underlying illness that makes you more immunocompromised, boy, you, you want to be sure that you get your vaccination and mask and avoid the, lar- the, loud, the, sorry, the large public gatherings. Great to have you on, Professor Krauss, as always. Kia ora. Pleasure. That's uh, Kurt Krauss, their professor in biochemistry at the University of Otago, Dunedin. With us this afternoon on the panel, Georgie Stiliano and Steve McCabe. And Donald Trump has just launched a new White House bid today to run, hang on, Steve, to run for the President of the United States. And this is an elegant night and an elegant press place, and I'm not going to use the term fake news media. (laughs) So we're going to keep it very elegant. But you don't hear that from the media. Well, together we'll be taking on the most corrupt forces imaginable, he went on to say. His announcement from Florida follows a disappointing showing in last week's midterm congressional elections that many Republicans blame on him. Joe Biden, he says he intends to run for re-election and the US election is the 5th of November 2024. Jared Monshine is the Director of Research at the United States Studies Centre at the University of New South Wales. Jared, welcome to the panel here in New Zealand. Thanks so much. Just to clarify, I'm actually at the University of Sydney, but I'm in New South Wales. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Sorry, sorry, Jared, on that. Now, um, um, unusually early launch here, Jared, someone had asked him to delay, uh, some, some, some rather had asked him to delay or not even run again. He clearly thinks he has a chance, Jared. Oh, yeah, he, he definitely does think he has a chance, and he, and he thinks that running now is, is only uh, positive for him, despite... All the Republican parties, for the most part, wanting him not to run. And even those who are backers of him, hoping that instead he could focus on the runoff election in Georgia um, in the coming weeks. But no, he he wants to run now and uh, did not want to delay any further. You can hear sentiments there. I mean, it's the same old Donald Trump that we kind of know, don't we, uh, Jared? Is this aimed at fending off those challenges for the nomination, including, you know, the rising star Florida Governor Ron DeSantis? He's uh, 44 there, so, you know, he's, a, he's, he, he's, he's got quite a bit of momentum behind him now. Yeah, no, that, that is definitely one component of it. I think he, he wants to clear the field and he wants to make sure no one else could possibly announce um, and that he could he could sort of own own the the sort of uh, Republican Party's loyalty ahead of the uh, 2024 uh, election. But I think it, that's not, that's only one component of it, right? Um, so the one component, like like you mentioned, is is facing off against Ron DeSantis, 
the uh, the the governor of Florida who just won re-election last week in a resounding victory and who increased his win margin um, from his 2018 um, uh, election victory by a substantial amount. But the I think the other component in this is that I think uh, if you look at the the legal challenges that President Trump, uh, former President Trump, is facing. Uh, it really helps to basically be a, a politician um, and to be a running politician who's, who's campaigning for an office because, in general, law enforcement, the Department of Justice and FBI, they don't really want to be be involved in sort of the, uh, the, the political infighting that you get when you have someone um, being investigated while uh, an active politician, an active uh uh, uh, campaigner for a position. So basically, on one hand, you have Ron DeSantis. That's a threat. But on the other hand, I think Trump, in many ways, is cherishing the opportunity to be seen as sort of a um, a political victim of the so of the supposed Biden um, uh, administration's agenda of persecuting yeah. Donald right. Trump. Okay, now uh, Georgie, uh, running again. Uh, do you what do you think? Uh, could he be the next president of the United States? Unfortunately, yes. I had dinner with um, uh, an American recently, one who had worked for the Obama administration, and his view from being on the ground over there was that unless this guy was in prison, he would be the next president. But, Jared, the point I would like to, 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 I suppose, ask you to elaborate on is Trump is bad. Ron DeSantis isn't great either. I mean, this is a guy who is using support for foreign policy that that sees people in, in, in Central and South America flee their countries, and then he uses race-based discrimination um, to talk about his stance on immigration. So he is not a, a pleasant uh, piece of work either, and that's what is distinctly sad about all this. This isn't just Trump versus some really good candidates. This is Trump in a pack of awful candidates. All right, stay there, Jared. We'll bring Steve. Steve should have views on this as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, I have dinner with Americans very nearly every night, quite frankly. And and the sense in our house is we well, we're obviously not going to vote for him like we never have in the past. Uh, Ron DeSantis is a big concern. I mean, as you say, George, you know the stunts he's pulled with with yeah. refugee seekers, shipping them off to Martha's Vineyard and stuff like that, so using yeah. them as, as political uh, pawns. It's foul. He's he's yeah. got all of the evil of Donald Trump, but a lot more competence, and that's a terrifying combination. Um, I agree. And then you've got Trump basically was delighted when he was Trump's acolyte. And now basically he's knifed Trump in the back. And, and that's, and that's going to bring down Trump's, um, wrath like nobody's business because the man that only understands loyalty, he's, he's effect, he works like a mob boss and he, he will, he will do everything he can to, to knife DeSantis in turn. It's going to be horrific and it's going to come down to personalities as I would suggest so much of American politics has a tendency to do. They're both foul personalities, but Trump at least was, has been seen on TV. I don't know if you want to respond, respond to some of that, Jared. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not making a judgment call that Ron DeSantis is better or worse. Than oh, Trump. I am. But I will, I, I will say that um, that the Democrats are cherishing the opportunity to run against Donald Trump. I think you 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 can only uh, if you subscribe to any of the uh, Democratic uh, email lists, you're being inundated right now because the only the only group that's more excited to see uh, Donald Trump running beyond Donald Trump himself, would be the Democrats right now. If you look at the midterm elections and just how poorly those Trump-backed candidates fared versus the more conventional 
uh, Republicans. So you look at, at Ohio, um, and, and you look at even the, the Maryland, the former Maryland governor, Larry Hogan, like the, the sort of conventional Republican approach is, is, is or less Trumpian uh, Republican approach is, is, I think, the winner of the 2022 midterms. Um, and it's one of the reasons why the Republicans did so bad, in my opinion, is, is they tied their, their horses, their allegiances to uh, President Trump in a way that may appeal to the GOP base but does not necessarily appeal to the broader electorate in each state. Right. Now, um, in terms of, the, in terms of the, the stunts that Ron DeSantis has, has pulled off, yeah, I think it's important to know, uh, you, you mentioned um, the, the stunts in, in involving sending um, uh, migrants up from, from the south to the north. And not only did he do that, you should, you should highlight the fact that they were not even individuals who were in Florida. He paid for folks to go to Texas and bring those people to the north. So what? He, he is... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he is a, a different, and, and as, as, as uh, was mentioned, he's, he's uh, significantly more competent than Donald Trump. With that said, I don't think, from what I've seen so far, I don't think that Ron DeSantis necessarily has uh, maybe the charisma and the populist appeal that, uh, right. that Donald Trump I just, I know, I know Stephen's coming, but on that, on that, the New York Times uh, in an article says that it will not be easy to dislodge Trump. Why? Because his bond with his supporters is something else. It's personal. What's your view? Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, one of the reasons why the 2016 and 2020 um, uh, polling forecasts were so off is that we just, in, in, in people who look at this stuff, we just were not pulling the right people. Basically, Trump got people out to vote who we had not really seen very much before. There's like, it's a, it's not just a, a lining along party lines. It, he just brought the, the, the uh, groups of people who really had not really participated in politics before. What? And that I think speaks to that personal and that, that charismatic approach that, that Trump um, successfully willed to, to gain so many votes. Very interesting. Final, you're on a brief thought, no, Steve. Just, just a quick thought. I, I, I do know, just, you know, given with the way the Electoral College is structured, you know, uh, DeSantis run, won Florida quite handily because of the way uh, the demographics have shifted. I remember reading, was that ten or 100,000 um, migrants from, say, New York State moving down to um, Florida voting for DeSantis, and that was a large part of his, of, his, um, of his comfortable majority down there. There's a large danger that, yeah, he's not going to win the popular vote. There's no chance of that, but there's a very real chance he might win the Electoral College okay. again. Very good. Hey, Jared Monshine, thank you very much for being with us here on the panel in New Zealand. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, he's the Director of Research at the United States Studies Centre at the University of Sydney in New South Wales. 26 past four. Steve McCabe here. Georgie Stiliano uh, in her car outside her house because the uh, concrete mixer is uh, pouring concrete there. And look, on this, I have a personal question. Is instant coffee coffee? Do you drink it? And why do you drink it? I had to make an instant this afternoon. Spoon of granules and a cup of milk. And what a terrible, terrible drink. And I get that at your local school office, your doctor's waiting waiting room. You're not going to have a plunger. But honest to goodness, what a disgusting drink. I thought, well... Who's on board with it? Who gets instant coffee? Explain to me why. And with us this afternoon is Maureen. Welcome, Maureen. Hello, Wallace. How are you? Oh, I'm very refreshed, actually. I've just had a coffee. 
<laughs> well played. Okay. And um, was, it, was it a nice espresso from your stovetop espresso maker? I actually um, don't drink espresso coffee. I drink instant coffee. I drink instant coffee <gasps> and it rose by now at the moment. It's what I call coffee. It's what I prefer. So, so you actually you actually prefer instant coffee over coffee? Yes, I do. Because if I go out and buy a coffee, they never put the right amount of water in it. I seem to argue most of the time with the waiter or whatever because I want I like it quite dilute. Yes. So I make the coffee how I like it. I have quite a few cups. I probably have four or five cups a day. Okay. But because I drink the instant coffee. I don't actually have it instead of, it's what I have. But if I were to drink the more expensive coffee, I wouldn't have been able to go to England for a holiday like I just did because I would have spent all that much money on coffee. Well, you call it coffee, I call the instant stuff coffee. It's just, I don't call it's just it coffee. It's a priority for me as well. I just prefer it, but I wouldn't... I'm glad I prefer it because I wouldn't... I hear them talking about coffee costing about seven cups. Of, I couldn't do it. Oh, it's ridiculous! Food. The price if you buy one, but you can you can make one at plunger at home, Georgie. Um, instant. I buy no. a coffee cost me about three dollars, and it lasts me about a week. Oh my goodness! Okay, so it's you're selling. So yeah, Georgie, Maureen, let's let's have a discussion here because I would argue that instant coffee is a coffee flavored. Beverage, rather than no, no, but you can coffee. say that, but it's what I call coffee. I don't like your expensive coffee, so it's what I drink. I call it coffee. They say it's on the label. It's I mean, not coffee. Price, so I mean, price-wise, if if you buy a bag of, of coffee beans or you buy a um, plunger coffee or stovetop coffee, I think Wallace, how many coffees do you yield? What is the yield from a bag of plunger? I'd say uh, a it's lot. at least. A lot. It is a lot. I mean, it's not your three dollars for a, your your, inst- your granules there, like Maureen no. here. But um, Steve McCabe. Yeah, Maureen, I'm springing to your defence here. I am a hardcore coffee I snob. I'm not defending it. I'm just no. what I do. No, I'm, I'm defending <laughs> you. To, I'm defending you from these two coffee snobs who are putting you down. Look, you if that's they think they're better people because they drink this expensive coffee. I don't think I'm bitter. <laughs> then stop, I don't no, think stop I'm putting the better. poor lady down. I don't. Th- I'm not putting Maureen down. I'm just saying she's not drinking coffee, instant coffees. I'm not putting you down, Maureen. No, 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 I know you're not because you're not able to because I'm not, I'm not feeling um, there's anything wrong with my coffee. It's what I prefer to drink. And so, I call it coffee. That's what I say. Rose by any other name. You don't well, hang, hang on a drink something else, but I call it. It's got yeah. coffee on the label, so I believe them. Well, so how do you drink yours? Well, I, 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 I like a trim latte. It sounds like I sound sound like a. I sound like a bit of a dick dinosaur. That's that's not real. That's not real coffee. Maureen, you've got proper milk. What's what's wrong with you, Maureen? Yes. Do you like a trim latte every now and then? No, no, only like black. Quite right too, Maureen. You've been wonderful. And, and stick Thank with you, your, Stick with your instant. Do I get, a, do I get the prize? Uh, we don't. We, this is not Jesse's show. 
<laughs> this is not this is not afternoons. He has prizes. We don't have prizes here on the panel. <laughs> no, Wallace, you can't send her a bag of beans. That'd be rude. <laughs> Thank you, Maureen. Uh, oh, look, Ma- Maureen is a legend. Says someone here, and someone says here. Dennis says. Oh, I don't believe... I've got to follow this up. <laughs> Instant coffee was invented by a man in Invercargill in 1890. 